0: morning, good morning, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good? Oh, wow. All right. And you guys slept in. I so said, how are you guys doing today? Good. Great. All right. So we're going to keep going regardless for some of you that are still asleep this morning. I know it's been a long weekend, but we are glad to have you here at TC. Hey, listen, we are in our serve series and we are excited uh, to be going through part three today of our serve series. Now, yesterday we had an amazing serve day. Man, we were excited about what God did yesterday during our serve day. We were at organizations and schools um, and people's homes, just serving Pensacola and loving on our community. It was an awesome time. Uh, And so, man, we just want to, TC, put your hands together for all of our Serve Day volunteers that joined us yesterday. Man, it was great. We're going to check in. Uh, on some details about what happened uh, there so you can make sure that you uh, view the video and it's going to be an awesome time. And already, man, just all over social media, we've seen photos and updates. And so, man, we are we love serving our city. And so thank you for all of you that joined us uh, in Serve Day. So we want to jump straight into uh, part three of our Serve Day series. Uh, and today, uh, the title is uh, Serve Through Seasons. We're talking about serving through seasons. And we're going to uh, spend some time talking about Joseph. But before before we do that, let's jump into our theme verse for the month, which, uh, which is Matthew uh, twenty-eight twenty, 20. Um, and it says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so before we can move forward with serving, I think it's important to talk about the heart of serving and why we do it and, and what are we trying to communicate through serving. And, and, and bottom line, the ultimate demonstration of God's generous nature towards mankind was the cross. Like It doesn't matter what God does for you or what he gives you on this earth. The greatest thing that he has ever done or he ever will do was accomplished on the cross through what Jesus paid the price for, which is our eternity. And he bought our way into the glory with God for all eternity. And so um, it's so important to understand that. But when we look at Jesus and understanding everything that Jesus did and everything that he was and everything that he accomplished, he could very easily have come to this earth as a king and be recognized as a ruler and demanded everyone serve him, but he didn't. He came uh, to be, uh, he came to serve, not to be served. He came to be someone to show us how we should love the world, how we should love our city, how we should love our families and our friends. And, and so we do that. Why? Because Jesus was the ultimate demonstration of what it looks like to serve. And so today we want to talk about uh, serving through seasons. Turn to your neighbor and say, Seasons. Because seasons are important for us to grab a hold of and understand today. Because in Serving Through Seasons, we're going to look at the story of Joseph. And so uh, Joseph is, in Genesis 37 is where the story starts. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. But uh, in, in, uh, and so in that, with Genesis 37, uh, we see the story of Joseph. And so And and so I'll just kind of read this to you. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamt. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves, uh," he said, behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And so I wanna give you kind of a brief overview of what we're talking about with Joseph. So there's the story of Joseph in the Bible and he comes, right? And he's his father's favorite. So he's got a bunch of older brothers and he's the favorite. And uh, so his dad comes in and uh, he like gives him this coat of colors and he just showed him so much favoritism and and all the other brothers was it. Now, I don't know about your house. I can tell you how things go at my house, right? So, uh, well, how, when I was younger, at Pastor's house, like, if if there was a favorite child, how many of y'all know, like, that was the least favorite child amongst the siblings? You know what I'm saying? Like, So, I, at, at the Livingston house, when we were younger, and the worst thing you could do was to like, put someone in charge, right? So at, at, at Pastor's House, when we were all younger, if they were leaving, they would be like, hey, you know, and she, they would be, whoever the oldest was, like, hey, you know, Natalie, you're in charge, you take her, your brothers and sisters, which meant all hell was about to break loose in that house. Y'all know what I'm saying, like, so, oh, she's in charge, oh, you know, like, um, And so the worst thing, it's not the worst thing, but to to a child, the worst thing you can do is give one of the other children like power or favor because you just know it's about to go crazy in that house. Um, And that's similar to what happens here with Joseph. So all of his brothers uh, were like upset with him because his father showed him favoritism. He was his father's favorite, right? Um, And if you've ever been the, like if you've ever felt like the sibling that wasn't the favorite, right? All you can do is just look at him with that face like, hmm. I mean, like, I know my sister's a favorite. Like, so anyways, I'm sure that's how they looked at Joseph. So, and with that, but so what we're reading right here in Genesis 37, five through eight is they are, God is presenting to Joseph a promise and and so the what I want to talk to you about is seasons that we go through and our seasons in life. And when we go through seasons in life, God takes us on a journey through those seasons. And what's important is that we don't lose track of what God is doing in those seasons. And we want to talk about four of those today. And the first season that I want to talk to you about is the promise. The promise. And so with the promise, what happens is God comes in and he instills in your heart, maybe he gives you a dream or he, he speaks to you and you feel like the Lord is like, yeah, I'm gonna do this in your life. I'm gonna give you this, I'm gonna make you this. And so you grab a hold of that promise, right? And you elevate it in your life, like, man, I can't wait till God is gonna do this and he's done that. And in Joseph's life, he gave him a dream. And what was his dream? His dream was that all his brothers were gonna bow down to him. Now, the worst thing you can do in some cases Especially with siblings is tell them that you have power, right? Like, man, that game on at that point, right? It, prank war is going down at the Livingston house. No, so, But the promise, right? And so what happens is, is uh, Joseph comes into this, day and he steps into the season of promise where God says, "I'm going to uh, cause all the other shes. I'm gonna, in other words, I'm going to cause all your brothers and everyone to bow down to you. Uh, And and I think in the promise season, what I'm calling the promise season, right? God is doing something in your life. He is doing something with your life. He's telling you he's about to instill in you greatness and he's about to fulfill a purpose in you. And so you have this promise that you're holding on to. I think the thing in the promise season that we have to be very careful of is who we tell that promise to. Because everybody's not excited about your promise the same way you are. Like, can, can we be real in here today? I know y'all are quiet this morning, but how many of y'all know you can, if you tell your promise to the wrong person, like they'll try to take that promise from you. Like, oh, God told me I'm gonna be this. Man, you can never be that. Man, you can never accomplish that. Like, God's never gonna do that for you. Like, you're never gonna become that. No one's ever gonna bow down. Like, no one's ever, and I can promise you that's what the brothers did to Joseph. Like it tells them, it does tell us what they said, but I bet you they said way more. Like, man, no one's ever gonna bow down to you. You scrub, get out of here. Like, you know, like I feel like that's what was going on with Joseph and his brothers. So they step into the promise season. The thing about the promise season though is we have to be careful who we tell our promise to. So Joseph tells them, hey, this is what's happening. So the brothers are upset, man. They're like, oh, no, we're not having this. So they go in and they, they like derive this plan. They build this plan and they're just going to kill him. Now it never got that bad at the Livingston house. I don't know about y'all's house, like, but they, it never got quite that crazy. But they were legit like, it's over. Now we might've said like, oh, I'm gonna lock you outside during the freezing cold. But well, we might've done that once. Anyways, that's not the point. So They say they're going to do it, but older brother steps in and is like, no, 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 let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit, right? Here's this pit. Let's throw him in this pit. And so that brings us to what I believe is the second season um, that God wants to teach us through the story of Joseph. And so he takes us from the season of promise to the season of the pit, which is number two, the pit. I mean, the pit is where it gets hard. Why is it so hard in the pit? Well, honestly, I believe one of the biggest reasons why it's so hard in the pit um, is because we just went through this time of promise, right? Where God was speaking to us. He's telling us what's about to happen. We get excited, like, yes. Like, it's a, you know, like we're grabbing a hold of this promise. We can't wait for what God's gonna do. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves with walls higher than we can get ourselves out of and a trouble that we don't see the end to. Like, it becomes, it, it's increasingly difficult and we find ourselves in this pit and and the first thing that sets in is like genuine frustration and anger. Like, how did I get here? And what is happening? Like, what are we doing in this pit? God, you just told me you were gonna do this. Why am I here? You just told me you were gonna fulfill this purpose. Why am I here? You just told me you were gonna accomplish this. Why am I here? And so we find ourselves in this pit where God is doing that. So Genesis uh, 37, 23, and 24, uh, it lays that out to us. So it says, then Joseph came to his brothers. They stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore. And let me just tell you something, like there's nothing worse. I can imagine the brothers, right? He, they, he comes in like, man, look at this coat of colors that dad just gave me. Well, first of all, they already don't like him because he's the favorite. Like that's like, like if you're mad at your sister and then you just find out she got a new car. Like, man, if you don't get out of here with that, Flatten all the tires. Anyway, so So they stripped him of his robe, the robe of many colors that he wore, and they took him and they threw him into a pit. The pit was empty and there was no water in it. So Here's what we, many of us find ourselves, so we get this promise, and we get this confirmation of what God is going to do, but then maybe we tell certain people, or maybe we just step into the season, uh, and when we step into this particular season of life, we find ourselves in a place where we are uh, thrown into a pit, and that pit can be a pit of despair, or oppression, or circumstances can cause things to just get difficult in our life, and we feel like there's no way out, and that's exactly where Joseph was, like, there was no way out, he, he couldn't, there was no water, there was no hope. And, and so I think some of us find ourselves in these pits of life where there's just no hope, right? And I, I'm reminded of a story when, when I hear it, when, I, you know, when we talk about a pit and there, and it's a story about this, uh, this horse and the horse was on a farm and he falls into this pit, like he falls into this hole. Um, and so when he does that, they try to get the horse out and they can't get the horse out and the farmer's trying, there's nothing he can do. So finally he just starts throwing dirt on top of the horse. Just throwing dirt on top of the horse in the pit. And what happens is every time dirt would get thrown on the horse, he would just sh- you know, shake it and then it would fall to the ground and he would step on it. And every time he would shake the dirt off, he would step up. And eventually, every time they would throw dirt on, he would get higher and higher and higher. And can I tell you something today? Some of you guys are in a pit and you just feel like people are throwing dirt on you. You know, like it's bad enough I'm in this pit, but now things are getting thrown on me. Like I just feel everything's becoming almost exaggerated. Like, like I feel like this is the end. I feel like I don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel anymore. Like this is just becoming incredibly difficult. But what, can I, I wanna quote an ancient theologian uh, to you this morning about what you should do. It's this quote right here. It says that you should just, Shake It Off, Shake It Off, uh, by T. Swift. So uh, That's Taylor Swift, for some of y'all that ain't hip. No, but for real, like, in, in all honesty, right? Life gets difficult, and when God brings us to a place of promise, but then we find ourselves in this pit, what can happen is as life, like, as dirt gets thrown on us and life gets thrown at us, We can either just get so depressed and mopey about the fact that things are coming at us that aren't fair, or we can just shake it off and allow the things that were meant to bury us to be the things that are going to elevate us up out of that pit. You know what I mean? And so, man, we need to find a way to let it go. I mean, listen, honestly, some some, some of us in here, we get frazzled when they give us the wrong meal at McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Like they they gave us that double cheeseburger instead of the nuggets. Like my whole day is shot. I don't even know how I'm gonna make it through. You're cussing at your husband, kicking the dog. Like, you know, like everything's just bad. And like, like for, for real, like real life, like everything is terrible because they gave me the wrong meal. Now, honestly, I am of the belief that they should add a third window at every fast food restaurant where you return the wrong items that you got and you can get the correct ones. You know what I'm saying? Like, But anyways, not the point. So. But what happens, right? In a life, we tend to get bogged down with the things that aren't issue, the issue, and we get blinded from the real issues. We're in a pit that we need to get out of, and we're worried about the dirt that's being thrown on us. We need to be focused on getting out of the pit. Not be, in other words, we need to be focused on the problem, not just the symptoms of our problem. We need to look for a way that God is gonna get us out of there. And so we find ourselves in this pit. Uh, And so what we also need to understand is that when we're in the pit, the thing that is gonna continue to get us out of that pit is the promise. And we've got to hold on to that promise even in the midst of not understanding, even in the midst of confusion, even in the pain and frustration and not knowing where the end is coming from and we're exhausted and we're tired. we got to hold on to the promise because the promise is the thing that's going to help us get out of the pit knowing, no, 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 this may be where I am right now, but I know God told me he's going to do this. Like This may be where I am right now, but I know God promised me that he's going to deliver me. I know he promised me a greater thing. I know he's going to take me and fulfill greater purposes. So this can't be the end because the end is where God told me he's going to take me. And you got to hold on to the promise because the promise will get you through the pit. And so you got to find your place or you got to find your time and place where you know God is going to say, I don't know why or how I got here, but what I know is that God's going to get me out of it and get me ready to take me to the next season of life. And so we have to hold on to that. So then Joseph comes out of the pit, right? So like he's in the pit. I'm I'm sure he thought he was going to die there. They take him out of the pit and he's like, man, man, Thank God I got out of the pit. Like, I didn't know how I was gonna manage that. And then he got sold into slavery. <laughs> Come on, man. Right? I'll tell you what, he gets sold into slavery, so he becomes a slave, right? becomes a worker Potiphar's house, one of the rulers in the land at that time. So he becomes a slave at Potiphar's house. Well, then Potiphar's wife starts coming at Joseph some kind of way. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, this dude's... Ruggedly handsome. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. That's, just, that's the BLV. Like, so. But this Potiphar's wife comes at him, and, and she tries to get Joseph to sleep with her, uh, and he says no. Um, and then like this happened a couple times, and finally one day he's working in the house, and and Potiphar's wife comes to him and says, Hey, you know, I, I want you to sleep with me, and he's like, Nah, you know, like get away from me. And, and so he runs away. I don't know if she was like busted or what. I don't know how that worked, but. All I know is she like runs away. She, uh, he runs away, but she grabs his coat. And when she grabs his coat, he leaves it behind so that he can get away. Well, then she calls to the guards uh, and says, hey, he just tried to rape me. And so now he's gone from the promise to the pit but now he's trying to work his way to wherever he's going. And now this false accusation comes against him that he never even did. And she said, like, he's trying to rape me. And then uh, we see in uh, Genesis 39, 19 and 20, it says, as soon as, his ma- as the master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. And so what happens here is we see the third season in life, at least the third season in Joseph's life. So he's got the promise, then he goes to the pit, and then he finds himself in the prison. Let me tell you why the prison is so frustrating. Tell you why the prison makes you upset. Because when you're in the pit, You're thinking, surely things can't get worse than this. How many of y'all know that is the worst thing? Like, you know, like lately people have been like, man, the weather can't get worse than this. I'm like, listen, bro, I was here for Ivan. Don't y'all say, like, you know what I mean? Like, but why? Because when we're in the pit, surely it can't get worse than this. And then he gets put in the prison. And so the prison is frustrating because this is the point where you really genuinely start to doubt God. You start to doubt whether you heard from God. You start to doubt whether or not he's even been speaking to you this whole time. You start to doubt the promise. Because here's the deal, and this is, this is I'm, I'm gonna tell you about me, and you guys can self-reflect on you, right? For me, I'm a very strong-willed person, right? The worst thing you can do is tell me I can't do something. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I know some of you looking at your spouse right now, like, oh, you're talking about you too. Like, so I'm a, I'm a very strong-willed person. Don't tell me I can't because I will. Even if it's a dumb decision. Bet you can't eat this hot pepper, ha, watch me. And then I'm gonna drink a gallon of milk. You know what I mean? So, But what happens, man? So when I'm in the pit, now don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. Anytime you get out of, anytime you get the promise, anytime you get out of the pit, anytime you get out of a prison, anytime you get out of anything, that is genuinely the Lord working on your behalf. So let us not get it twisted to where we think we can accomplish great things because we can't, outside of God accomplishing them for us. But here's the illusion that gets presented in the pit, right? Is that when I get out of the pit, I think it's because I worked hard enough to get out of it. Like Because I'm strong-willed, I'm like, no, I'm going to get out of this pit. And so over time and, and doing things, I'm like, I got out of the pit. And if I'm not careful, I start to think that I did that. Which is why I think most of us <laughs> end up in a prison right afterwards. Because God's like, oh, no, 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 no. Look, When you get out of this, when this promise gets fulfilled, there's not going to be any doubt in your mind that it was me. And I believe God does that. So God takes them from the promise and he puts them in a pit and then he gets them out of the pit, which is like, yay. And then he throws them in a prison. It's like, Oh, you know, and I don't know about you guys, but I've rode that roller coaster ride of life. It's like, Oh yeah. Oh no. Oh, oh no. And, And let me help you understand this. If you're new, maybe you're not a believer in Christ today. Everything doesn't get worse. When you find Christ, you now have this eternal hope that man, no matter what happens here, that there's an eternity waiting for me that is so much bigger and better and greater than, but all your problems also don't just get fixed either. Like, and I know some churches preach that. You give your heart to Jesus, man, everything just gets better. They're lying to you, don't buy into that, okay? Like, why? Because the world is still sinful and there are still bad things happening to good people. And so, I mean, we find ourselves in this place where bad things are happening, and that's where we are in the prison. So we find ourselves going from the pit to the prison, and so we get there, right? And we find ourselves in the prison, and we find ourselves in this place where, like, we're just so confused. And so Joseph is in the prison, and he's sitting there, uh, and he's just at this moment where he's going, God, like, you gave me a, you gave me a promise. That cut out like that? you gave me a promise. Like you, you told me this was going to happen. And you, you spoke to me, you gave me this dream and I know you gave me this dream. And, and so then you go from this thing where I oh mean, I got thrown into a pit. Well, then I get moved into a prison and I just feel like you're forsaken. I feel like maybe everything you told me was a lie. I feel like then maybe everything you've given me isn't true. Like maybe I'm not going to accomplish great things. Like maybe my, my, maybe my kids aren't going to get saved. Like maybe I'm not going to get, you know, th- like maybe you're not going to take me on this journey that you promised you. Everything. Maybe I'm not going to live this life of fulfillment or purpose. Maybe, maybe everything that I thought you were doing in my life isn't true. And the prison is the moment where God starts to give us glimmers of hope of the promise that he gave us even before the pit, right? And so Joseph is sitting in there and when he's sitting in there, what happens is the cupbearer and the baker come in and when they they come in and and, and Pharaoh had thrown them in the prison and they have dreams. And the same way God revealed the promise in the beginning is the same way he reassures the promise in the prison, which is I'm going to let you interpret. A dream of what someone else is going to have, and when you interpret that dream, you're going to remember that everything I told you is still true. Cutbearer has a dream. Baker has a dream, and so one of them, he says, uh, "Man, I got good news and I got bad news." This is the BLV. This is Brad Livingston version. I got good news and I got bad news. One of you is going to get restored back to where you came from. God's going to take care of you. Oh, what's going to happen to the other one? You're going to die. But the story's not about them, so that's not quite as important, right? So, but he says, one of you's gonna die. But one of you is gonna make it. Well, sure enough, he goes in. And, and so uh, at some point in time, Pharaoh has this dream, right? Pharaoh has this dream, and uh, the servant says, hey, I remember when I was in prison, there was a guy that interpreted a dream for me. Maybe he can interpret it for you. What I wanna do, though, is pause right there and take a step back. Right, Because I want to remember, I want to help you understand, because even though, even though the servant and the Pharaoh, you could see God working on Joseph's behalf, we can read it that way, Joseph didn't know it. And what we have to remember, even in the prison, is that God is working things out for us even when we can't see it yet. And I'm reminded of Paul in 2 Corinthians uh, 4, eight through nine. He says that uh, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. And not about you guys, but there's been moments in my life where I felt like I was pressed on every side. Like life is caving in and things are getting difficult and I can't figure out why this is going this way. And I feel like I'm holding up the weight of the world around me. But Paul says, don't worry you won't be crushed. I've been perplexed. I have not been able to understand. I've been in a place where I was just, anxiety was taking over. He said, but don't worry. Don't have despair. I've been persecuted where people have spoken against us. People have spoken against me. And people have spoken words that have made me go further into a pit or feel further confined to a prison. But don't worry. He hasn't abandoned you. He said, and then you may be struck down. You may feel like there's no hope. You may feel like you're falling, but you are not destroyed. Why? Because God has Already made a way. And so, what we see through Joseph is this amazing story, this amazing idea that even when you feel like the world is falling around you, God is doing something on your behalf when you can't even see it yet. Because the baker was talking to the Pharaoh, saying, I remember a guy that had a dream. Or I remember a guy that interpreted my dream when I was in prison. Let me go get him. And so they go get Joseph. Bring him up and Pharaoh says, I've had this dream. What does it mean? Joseph interprets this dream. Right? Joseph comes in and and, uh, he interprets the dream and, and Pharaoh's like, all right, you're gonna help us organize all this and build this irrigation system and, and takes care of a number of things. And you can go back to Genesis 40 and, uh, 37 through 40 and you can read, um, because what I wanna talk to you about is not so much what they accomplished together, but what I wanna talk to you about is the place that God brought them to next, which is the fourth season of life, which is the palace. The palace. And I wanna tell you something, folks. The palace makes the pit and the prison worth it. So God brings us through and he gives us this promise and we hold on to this promise but then we find ourselves in this pit. The pit brings despair and frustration and anger. And then just when we think we're getting out of it, yay, everything's great, we end up in this prison. And that is the moment that I genuinely believe that we learn that we have to rely on God. We're not gonna get out of this because we're awesome, we're only gonna get out of this because God's awesome. And so we surrender to that. God, I'm putting faith in you that whatever you're gonna do, however you're gonna fulfill this promise that you gave me, you're gonna fulfill it and you're gonna release and you're gonna show me how you're gonna deliver me from everything that I'm going through right now and everywhere that I'm at. And then he comes in and he does that. He brings you out of the prison and he fulfills his promise by bringing you into the palace. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 through 18, we read Paul's words again and he says, so we do not lose heart Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. And let me tell you, folks, I've been in seasons in my life where I have felt like my outer self, like my strength, like my mental capacity, my ability to comprehend was wasting away. Like I didn't have anything left. And I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but been in a place where like, man, I don't feel like I've got anything left. Like even go through going through situations where we're going through now where my my son has been sick for a while now in the grind of that and how taxing that can be on you. And I honor people like my wife, who's a rock to our family. And she glues everything together. And she's been incredible through this whole thing. But even her and, and I, I mean, we get through times where our outer self is becoming so taxed, we're exhausted and we're losing heart. But that's when we remember the Apostle Paul's words that our inner self is being renewed day by day. And he strengthens us and he sustains us and he rises and Brings us up. And so we find ourselves saying, for the this light momentary affliction. And I know some of you would read that and be like, you don't know my affliction. How could you call it light? How could you call it momentary? Let me give you the skinny on the apostle Paul, right? Uh, death lived under death threats the rest of his life, bitten by a snake, thrown into prisons time after time, all for the sake of the gospel. Why? So that we could read his words today and be encouraged about where God is taking us to tomorrow that he hasn't forgot us that he has a purpose for us, he has a promise for us, and that we can't get consumed by the pit or the prison and forget exactly what God is gonna do when he gets us to the palace. And so he says, this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. He goes on to say, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It doesn't have to make sense to you to know that God's going to get you through it. And so, man, we find ourselves in this world of the Apostle Paul, where we're saying, I don't get it. I can't see it. But that's what was so great about the Apostle Paul. As he comes in, he's just like, hey, man, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Kill me. I'm going to heaven. Leave me here. I'm preaching the gospel. Like, you can threaten to leave me on an island. Don't care. You can threaten to stone me. Don't care. Throw me in prison. The guards are going to get saved. The inmates are going to get saved. Like There's nothing you can do to stop me. And if you kill me, then I have accomplished the task that God has set before me and I step into the attorney that he called me to, we have to stop getting so consumed by what is happening here and start recognizing that everything is happening here is what God is bringing us through. And what we have to realize when we get to the palace, because when we get to the palace, we can look back and see this, but I'm encouraging you to think about the pit and the prison this way today because you have the promise. Hold on to the promise and realize that both the, all the promise, the pit, and the prison were necessary and ordained by God to get you to the palace. The pit and the prison weren't an accident, folks. God allowed that in your life because it was the only way to get you to the palace. And man, I'm, I'm, I'm so encouraged. And even I, I remember uh, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Midnego who, who got thrown into the fire and they, and they got put into position, bow down to this idol or we're gonna throw you in the fire. And so they didn't bow down to the idol. And they did get thrown into the fire. The problem is a lot of us believers, a lot of us Christians are looking for God to deliver us out of the fire. He's, we're looking for a way for him to make an escape so that we don't have to endure the hardship what I'm encouraging you with today folks is God doesn't want to get you out of the hardship he wants to get into the hardship like he wants to walk you through the fire and so he looks and then the leader looks into the fire and he says did we throw three boys in there he says yes then who why is there four and he says I don't know but the fourth one looks like the son of God like we need to be looking not for God to give us a way out but for God to find a way in like he's looking for a way that he can help walk you through the deepest, darkest, most difficult parts of your life. Why? Because he cares about you that much that he's not going to let you go, but he's not going to let you get by. He wants to get you in the pit with you. He wants to be in the prison with you. Why? Because when you get to the palace, you won't forget about him. So we remember the words of Paul to know everything that's happening right now is happening because God's letting it happen. Why? because he's taking me somewhere. You don't have to get it. You don't have to understand. And I'm not telling you not to have questions. I'm telling you to trust God completely, that everything he's gonna do, he's gonna do for a reason, because he's taking you somewhere. So we see Genesis 41, 41, 40 through 43, Pharaoh talks to Joseph. He says, you shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then the Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck and he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh comes in. And the promise, so what was the promise in the beginning? The promise in the beginning was, all the sheaths will bow down to Joseph's. All the brothers and the father would bow down to Joseph's. Joseph gets to Pharaoh's house, second in command. A famine hits the land, and guess who has to come to Pharaoh's house to get food? Guess who has to come to Pharaoh's house to be fed? the brothers, and they come to Pharaoh's house and they sit before Joseph and they don't even recognize him, but what's the first thing they do when they get there? They bow. God's promise is never hindered by the journey to the palace. God's promise is forever, folks. Like Grab a hold of what he's telling us, that he has promised us, that he will fulfill it. And here's what I genuinely believe. It says, this last quote, it's in your notes. It says, your purpose will always be affected by how you view your prison from your palace. Your purpose will always be affected by how you view your prison from your palace. In other words, when you look back at your prison, when you look back at that hard time, does it make you bitter? Does it make you angry? Or does it encourage you? that God will bring you through, that God will take you on a journey. And maybe you don't even know God. Maybe this is your first time being in a church service and you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Here's what I know. Whether you know Jesus or whether you don't know Jesus, you've experienced hardships in life. And I genuinely believe that those hardships have brought you here right now, at this place, to hear a story about a God that loves you, If you're in this place and you know God, you're in this place and you don't know God, here's the truth, God has a purpose. He has a promise and he has a journey. Now that promise can get a little blurry between the pit and the prison, but that there's a palace that God wants for you. If you're saved in this place today, work through the pit, work through the prison, work through the frustration, work through the isolation, work through the anger and the bitterness, and look for the way that God is gonna deliver you from that and get ready for the palace. But if you're in this place today, I just wanna have everyone just bow your heads, close your eyes with us today. Some of you are in this place and man, maybe over the last couple days, the last week, or maybe just since you've got here, there's been this this stirring in your heart, this, this desire to know a savior, this, this desire that, man, I'm missing something and I need to find it. Well, folks, that something is Jesus because you can't make it to the palace without a savior, because to make it to the palace, you have to have had a payment. And when Jesus went to the cross He laid down his life, and when he laid down his life, he paid for your sins, and he paid for my sins. And and here's the deal, folks, that none of us deserve heaven, but when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price so that we didn't have to deserve it, we could just have it. And what did he say? Repent, turn away from your sins. And if you're in this place, Right now, I wanna encourage you, repent of your sins. That's not saying I'm sorry. It's turning away from, man, I got something else I need in my life. Turn away from those things and turn towards Christ. And then the next step is to put your faith in Christ, that when he died on the cross, he paid the price for you. You could never pay for yourself. And he gave you away into eternity. So here's what I wanna do today. I wanna pray. If you're in this place and you say, Pastor Brad, I, I need to put my faith in Christ today. I am putting my faith in Christ. I wanna be saved. If that's you today, you wanna be saved. You want God to take control of your life You're, You wanna respond to the call that God is doing in your heart right now. You wanna go to heaven. You wanna live for them forever. With every head bowed and all the eyes closing here today, I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. I wanna pray for you today. I don't know Jesus, Pastor, but I want to. Would you just raise your hand? God bless you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna come to you. I wanna know Jesus today. I want to be saved. God bless you. With the hands that are raised for some that have not, even if you're watching this on live stream, you say, I wanna give my heart to Christ today. Here's what we do, we wanna pray. We want you to repeat this prayer. Now keep in mind, this prayer doesn't make you saved repenting and putting your faith in Christ alone. That's all it takes to be saved. But we wanna make a public proclamation today that we're gonna stand with Christ and we're gonna give our life to him. And so we want you to repeat this prayer and the whole church is gonna do it. It's not just gonna be you. Even if you're watching us on live stream and you wanna give your heart to Christ today, just say this prayer with me. So let's do a church all together. Say, Dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure make me whole i believe you died on the cross and that you rose three days later and that through your death and through your resurrection i can have eternal life i want to follow you for the rest of my life in jesus name amen amen church put your hands together for all those that pray that perhaps for the very first time we celebrate with you